Hey guys, welcome to Talking Shop, the e-commerce strategy podcast for merchants who are serious about growing their business. We'll be here every week with a brand new episode to help you unlock the secrets to scaling your business for long-term growth. Let's talk shop. Welcome everybody. You are back on another episode of Talking Shop with Zyber. As always, myself, Waldo, joined by my fabulous co-host, Leonardo. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. This is the podcast for merchants that are serious about growing their business online. And uh, how are you, buddy? How's, oh, mate, how's this week been? Oh, it's crazy. What are we now? Three and a half months coming up to almost month number four of lockdown. But like we always said and have been saying for the last, what, nine, 10, 12 weeks, um, we're super busy, man. I feel like I'm all constantly talking to merchants who are just making the most of this opportunity um, and just just loving it, you know, have the tools in place to succeed. We're coming up to Black Friday. When you guys are listening to this, it's going to be the Wednesday before Black Friday, or maybe you're listening to it on Black Friday. Maybe you're listening to it three months afterwards. Who knows? But anyway, just to let you know when this was recorded. Um, I was yeah, going to say, Waldo, if yeah. they're listening to this on Black Friday, they're not selling enough. But uh, we appreciate if you are listening to us on Black Friday. Or, they're just, or they're just kicking back, checking out the live True. view, watching the money rolling True. because they've done all the hard work which they've they probably the should have done up to that stage. That's actually um, very true, my friend. That's all yeah, you yeah. can do on Black Friday is just watch those numbers come in and watch those parcels go out. So it is exciting time. I love this time of the year. Um, hey, tell me what's going on around COVID funding for those that are listening within New Zealand. Yeah, there's about to be an announcement made. So for those of you who are listening uh, from Auckland and you are looking for some budget, you know, if, if you're looking to uh, get some developers in to do some customizations to make your store better, um, there's always ways and means to do it, but that all costs money, right? So the government has actually come to the fore and because lockdown, because Auckland specifically has been in lockdown for that long, um, there's about to be a bit of an announcement around some additional COVID funds that'll be made available for um you know, for, for the digital space and for merchants who are looking to just make their e-commerce uh, as smart as they possibly can, or their digital channels, shall I say, for lack of a better word. Um, so that's really exciting, Leo. It'd be, it'd be cool to see how that plays out. Yeah, from what I've heard, it's uh, seven grand and, uh, you know, strongly recommend all companies to, to have a look at what the, uh, uh, I guess, the regional business network is doing and, and uh, apply and use that funding towards your digital strategy. So uh, it's supposed to be announced like something like today. So by the time this podcast comes out, it should already have been announced how to register and get get that money. Exactly, um, exactly. Now, I found a little stat, and it's probably a stat that the government was looking at going, holy crap, this is um, this is getting a bit out of control. And I think a large reason why the stat is even there is because people didn't have a digital strategy in place. And so um, in the last, I think, sorry, in the last 18 months, Leo, how many businesses mm -hmm. do you reckon have deregistered from the company registrar? Oh, that's a number I don't want to say. I have no idea. Hit me. It's over 25,000. It's about 27,000 businesses around the last 12 to 18 months that have deregistered on the company registrar. So Ouch. don't get caught. There are funds and stuff in place. The government's working with you guys to make this better. Um, and hey, if you're listening to this podcast, it probably means you've got some spare time or you're really interested to take your direct-to-consumer brand or offering to the next level. And so I am super excited today, Leo, uh, with Tell our me. guest because um, – 
one of the things we always get asked is to get merchants on our podcast. And, you know, when you get some, some merchants who are business owners and wear a lot of hats, um, you know, the conversation can sometimes be very general. But today, we actually have an e-commerce lead by a news, uh, an e-commerce lead from a very, very prominent New Zealand brand, Two Islands. May I introduce to you guys, Tina Trenkner-Mead from Two Islands. Hi, hey, everyone. Thank you for Hi. having me. No problem. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on board. Um, yeah, we're really excited to talk to you today. And I think just for the listeners out there to frame this all up for them a little bit, why don't you give us a bit of an introduction as to who you are and, uh, and what you do? Sure. So as the guys have already said, my name is Tina. I'm the e-commerce lead at Two Islands, which is a health and wellness and beauty brand based in New Zealand, founded in 2018. I joined earlier this year and took over basically anything that relates to the D2C channel. So Two Islands has its website and has had its website for a few years now. And now we're starting to be offered in more and more retail outlets. So what I try to do with our website is make sure, first and foremost, people can buy. That's, you know, priority yeah. one. But we also try to make sure we're educating our consumers about what the brand is about and what we offer, how to use our product and really give them just like a really nice brand experience. So when they're considering adding something to like their health and wellness routine, they're thinking two islands first instead of trying to compare this brand and this brand and this brand and this brand. Other things I try to do is make sure we're using the most up-to-date tools so we can get to our customers right away. So one of the first things I did this year was migrate our MailChimp to Clavio, which I always mispronounce. And oh, you did so it right then. Clavio, I know. I've I, never pronounced it correctly. No one knows how to say me. it. Just, yeah, just, just go with it. They have a blog post about the background of how they got to the name Clavio. And then at right. the end, like, Clavio. I'm like, okay, if they hear this, I better get this right. Uh, they don't oh, care. They've got partner. such... Yeah, they've got such a good tool. Oh, that thing, anytime I go to it and try something new, it just goes flawlessly. The support is great. So I really love working with that tool. Um, other things that we're starting to do more and more, we're trying to do some more CRO across our site to see what the best way to communicate the product benefits to the people who come visit. We try to play with content a little bit more. Um, we're, we have a designer that joined around the same time I did who has like this really great eye for like gorgeous imagery and basically everyone on the team has a great eye for gorgeous imagery so we're really really content focused and what i try to do is make sure our you know high quality product plus our high quality content all come together in a really nice experience so people come back and buy again and again and again yeah it's such a beautiful website you guys really uh, i can tell that you've got some really good people in the marketing team there and got a really good eye for design so um well done well done but if i could bring it a little bit of a step back for our listeners there how did you end up in this role go to journalism school go work in washington dc for a few years meet a kiwi fall in love come to new zealand work at a newspaper decide you want to pivot go to coding boot camp Try to get your first development job and it ends up being an e-commerce. Nice. Do the e-commerce agency thing for a few years. Have a kid in between, like oh, take yeah. a door from maternity leave and try to keep up with everything while you're doing that. Yeah. And find out after all that experience, like, you know, I kind of want to try to take the reins myself on the client side. And so 
I, you know, talk to a few people, do a few interviews. Um, I think it was very serendipitous to end up at Two Islands. I feel really, really thankful because when I got to the role, I basically had a Shopify website that was in really good form with all the integrations I would have chosen myself and kind of the freedom to say, go with it. And the reason I could do that is it sounds like the history I had up until this point doesn't really lend itself to e-commerce. But I think if you work in the digital media space, you learn data and analytics very quickly. I had been using um, GA on newspaper websites for probably a decade. And I had been using EDM programs, be it MailChimp or something else. So being very um, cognizant of what open rates are and what click rates are and what people are clicking on, those are very easily applicable skills to an e-commerce website. I think anything in the digital media space, if you know how to create content and how to evaluate if that content is working, those are really good skills to apply to e-commerce because marketing campaigns need that sort of analysis and kind of news with it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm loving um, everything you've just said, because it shows the importance of having uh, a commerce lead person in a role uh, in the business that you're in, but for any other brand. And it's something that we've seen transition over the years. Like if you go back three, four years ago, was commerce lead like a title? No, I think e-commerce manager definitely was, or at least what I've seen. But lead, you don't see that often. And frankly, when I look back at my documents, like, oh, I didn't know I'm a lead, but cool. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it definitely helps when I reach out to different vendors or I reach out for support, like, hey, look, e-com lead here. And I might roar a, a question like a little bit more technical than someone usually would but if they can see it with a title like okay maybe i can talk in a different way than i might with someone who might be more of a generalist or someone who might be just straight dev they have a better context of how we can communicate with each other and hopefully that's an asset yeah oh so, i think definitely you guys are i mean you're talking about cro already you're talking about everything you're doing with edm we're, we're quite used to talking to marketing managers who are given the responsibility to be an e-commerce manager and it's two yeah, it is two different languages um and then there's you coming in as like an e-commerce lead that backs up the e-commerce manager um and so it's a very important role because we love cro and we love edm so i love everything you're saying so with your expertise uh how's this lockdown comparing to the first lockdown we had oh man so i have two different answers to that i my the answer i had at the beginning of this lockdown and the answer that i have as of the last maybe couple of weeks they're not the same i think the in the beginning of this second lockdown, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy peasy. If you've been in the e-commerce space, you, we've been through this before. Um, you guys tell me if you can relate to this. But in the beginning of the first lockdown, I was agency side and I had no clue what was going to happen. We didn't know if the clients were going to start cutting contracts. Um, there was nothing to suggest that they would, but because there was so much uncertainty whether people could still continue operating, what does level four mean? What is an essential business that there was, I had personally a lot of anxiety. Um, just also, I worked through the uh, global financial crisis and I was laid off during that. So I was like, okay, 
dealt with the GFC before. If we get laid off again, we'll figure it out. But none of that happened, thankfully. In fact, if you worked in e-commerce, you did great, especially if you're an essential business. There's a little bit of like weirdness going on in the beginning. And I think once we knew that a lot of our e-commerce clients were essential services, that was a bit of a relief because you could see revenue start coming back in. People were starting to adjust to the new normal that if they want things, they're going to have to order them online. And if you had an e-commerce storefront, you were set. You just needed to pivot quickly to say what the COVID you know, safety precautions were going to be, what the delivery times were going to be. So because we had done that in 2020, come 2021, we had a bunch of smaller level three lockdowns and I think we've already adapted to that, but to come back to another level four, it was like, okay, we've been through this before. You knew if you were an essential service or not. So you knew if you were had a distribution center that was you know, administering the essential services, we were still going. We didn't have to worry too much about revenue from sales or whatnot. I think where things got a little funny is the length of the lockdown and the uncertainty of different things changing every day. There's been some interesting trends. We Two Islands is known for their pea protein powder. It's a vegan protein. It's really delicious. Um, if you put salted caramel in with a frozen banana and milk and you blitz it, that is just chef's kiss. Nice. We get a lot of protein sales in the beginning of the week. And when the news may not be as... I, what's the right word, I guess, um, concrete. If there's mm -hmm. like uncertainty, we get more protein cells. Interesting. <laughs> um, and that's that's just from noticing, look, taking a look at the Shopify dashboards every day. Um, I think now going into Black Friday, we have goals. We have sales goals. Obviously, we want to make as much sales as we can and highlight, you know, the good values that we're going to be offering and tell people to stock up over the holiday period. But we honestly don't know what the customer sentiment is really going to be until like the day of, and we know what the news is going to be. So we have goals of what we want to earn, but the expectations. And that's interesting that you mentioned, that's interesting that you mentioned you guys see it, uh, an uptake at the start of the week where Black Friday is going to be at the end of the week. Um, and, you know, that's a nice segue into this upcoming Black Friday. Um, but firstly, just before I talk about that, I can't um, resonate with you enough what I saw, you know, being on the agency side only, exactly what you saw last year. Um, but this year's lockdown and the, and the, and the, the, the sort of length of it, there's just been a lot more uncertainty. So that that's a real key word that I picked up there. Um, I think last year people kind of knew we were going to just tear down and we just sort of got there. We've sort of fluctuated now and then there's now 3.2 and 3.0 and traffic lights, et cetera. So should be interesting, but hey, we can only control what we can control. And these, um, you know, annual events that have happened, we just had uh, Singles Day at Click Frenzy last week, um, and then leading into Black Friday now. Um, how do you think this Black Friday, because we're in lockdown, is going to be different to last year's one? I don't know if people are going to make decisions about their purchases until next week. I think Black Friday was huge in the States and I lived in the States from birth until about 29, yes, of course, um, of course, yeah. 36 now. So it was a little bit of getting used to the fact in New Zealand that it's not as it's I think it's big now, but it gets bigger and bigger every year. So I do think that like customers are accustomed to waiting to the end of the month 
to see what the best deals are going to be. Mm. Um, I think I, I, th I think of the customer base in like terms of who's already been in level two and they can go to the brick and mortar stores, but they can still go to D to C and we're in chemist warehouse. So my thinking is like, if I were in level two, would I go to chemist warehouse or would I come to the website? From my point of view, I don't, I'd rather they come to the website, but I'm more than happy for them to go to chemist warehouse. Cause if they pick up a tub from chemist warehouse and they're like, Oh, this is really good. Like, I wonder what else they offer. They're going to come to my website. So mm. it doesn't bother me to see an empty shelf at chemist warehouse of two islands. Cause I'm like, mm. buying. in terms of Auckland though, and Auckland is probably our biggest customer chunk of the customer base. I don't know if people are going to wait to do all their spending at the malls are they going to take, you know, a couple of hours on Friday night with a glass of wine and do all their shopping mm. as far, if I could put a wish out there to the universe, have everyone come to the website, start buying early and then realize and come yeah. back and, you know, maybe they left something in their cart and they make a second purchase and maybe they come back through the weekend. Yeah. That's my hope. And I guess the other question is how many of those people have, because they've been at home and, you know, access to the internet and we all know our screen time's gone up, have, um, you know, been super prepared and a lot of those purchases have already been made, which forms part of the analytics that we've probably seen over the last four months, which, you know, I don't know about you guys, but we look at some of our customers, you know, and they're 150% up um, on average um, right across the board. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting times. And, just want to ask you a quick question. I don't know how how closely you analyze this, but um, interested though. You say Auckland is the largest customer base. When retail just opened, have you seen an impact on your web web, web analytics? Yeah. No, no. Um, they've been pretty steady, which is promising. I think one thing that's easy to put aside is that we're CPG, we're consumer packaged goods, we're consumables. Um, half of them are supplemented foods and half are um, vitamin supplements, roughly speaking. So I think it would be a different, completely different game if we were an apparel um, D to C. But because we're something that you, we expect people to stock up every month or stock up every three weeks, depends on how long it takes to get you through, um, you know, top of collagen like this. It takes, it should take about four weeks. Um, it really depends. So we expect to see a faster cycle of people coming through the site and depending on the type of family that you head up, you could be coming every two weeks. Like if you have a family of boys, you're going through a kilo of pea protein very, very quickly. Gotcha. Of course. I was just going to say, sorry, well, I was going to jump in with, yeah. with Black Friday, you know, making sure people are aware that you are doing a sale with them signing up to, to emails, you know, all of that helps. And I'm just going through the buyer's journey. Um, not not to buy something from two islands, but I totally oh, believe. Come on. You I can't say that. I totally believe in your product. I think I actually got emotional a little bit when I first met you, telling you about how we just had a newborn and my wife wasn't, you know, lactating as much as she thought, and she thought it was the end of the world. And you know, it was about one a.m. I was the one that got up, found your website, bought right there. I think you had shop pace. I could check out in one yep. second, which I always love. I've told Waldo this all the time. If someone, if I can't check out with one click, I, I just yeah, don't even buy lazy. from you. I am yeah. too lazy, and. Wow, what a game changer, right? So totally believe in your product, but you are in a very competitive industry. So what are some of your techniques to try and stand out or you know influence your e-commerce game? It's a good question. Um, one of the first things I did before trying to maneuver the levers a little too much 
I put a, a survey on our cart page. We have a cart page as part of our customer journey and we use Hotjar. So I put a survey on there because I want to know a little bit about why they came to Two Islands today and why do they buy versus some of our other competitors? Because as you said, yes, collagen is incredibly competitive. I and mean, we've seen quite a change, especially from late last year. You can buy collagen in the supermarket. You go down in the nutrition aisle and buy a tub of what you like. And I think collagen supplementation has definitely gone into the mainstream um, in terms of being a new way of kind of treating yourself, you know, a little bit of vanilla in your coffee and you're drinking something that tastes good for you, but you also know it's going to plump up your skin. Like that's awesome and super accessible. So with this particular survey that I've done, it was just a couple of questions of, so why did you come today? Um, who else do you also buy from? And we have some very common competitors and people come to two islands for the brand. It's no fuss. It's like a modern luxury supplement brand. And you feel good when you buy Two Islands because it's high quality. It's been created by someone who has expertise in creating these, you know, really nice supplements um, as our brand is. It's like no fuss, good for you stuff with nothing you don't need. Mm -hmm. So when you come in, you have like a really nice aesthetic on the website and you have an easy way to buy the product and it comes to you in like really nice packaging and you prep it however you want to use it. You're making a smoothie or you're making yourself like a nice cup of tea. That just all reinforces the brand experience. And you're going to come back and buy that because it's relaxing. It adds to, you know, your quality of life. You feel good doing something good for you. And that's why people keep coming back to Two Islands. So with that in mind, I want to be in front of that person every time they're considering another purchase. We tend to believe that people jump from collagen product to collagen product, depending on what's in front of them and other factors. Like it might be price. It might be actually, I want to try a different flavor this time. I want to be there to offer two islands when they're making those decisions. So we're taking a look at how we execute our paid social spend. We're taking a look at, okay, how are we explaining our product benefits through um, emails? We've ramped up our email campaigns quite a bit this year. Um, we roughly send about twice a week now. Mm -hmm. We try to think about different ways we can tell the two island story. So earlier this year, we launched two new flavors of collagen, mango and lemon lime. And lemon lime is like really, really nice. And iced tea and mango is really nice if you want to add like a little bit of sparkling water to it so you make yourself a little bit of mocktail mm -hmm. so some of the things we thought about is how can we refresh or remind people who may have seen our collagen before like hey look we actually have like six flavors pick the one that you like so we kind of reintroduced the family of six flavors to people and that was earlier this year we did a little bit of a price drop so the um the price point is at a much more accessible price for a lot of people. So better price, better value, more flavors, really trying to drive that home. And I think we've seen a lot of uptake from our customers, both new and returning. We have a really high returning rate, but I think we're starting to get new customers being like, yeah, I've heard of them before. I've used others, but I'm going to give this a try. And that's been really nice to see, especially hearing some of the customer feedback oh, I love this in X and I love this in Y. And just taking things from that 
is setting us up really, really nicely for the next year. Our main strategy of growth is going to be new products. And we're on schedule to potentially um, launch a new product every six weeks. So we're going to be really, really busy. We're taking what we've learned from these different ways we're trying to communicate to our customers, what they love about the brand, but also introducing something new that really fits within that brand umbrella. And hopefully we already have the confidence to say, to, to encourage them to be like, you know what, this is a new product. Um, it's definitely going to address something I'm worried about, or, you know, maybe it'll be a bit preventative and hopefully that it, they can make the decision in their head that it's a good buy and they come back to us again and again and again. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I love that keeping top of mind, you know, hitting them at the right time in the right place when they're like seeking for your product. There was quite a bit there and I want to unpack a little bit. I want to take a step back. You mentioned Hotjar on the checkout page. Were you saying you were doing a like an opt-out questionnaire or Sorry, what kind of question page. on the cart page? And what kind of questions were you trying to sort of understand? And then you were looking at all that data and I'm assuming making a decision. Okay, so I was running two. Let me revise what I said. I had I was running a survey on the cart page and I did run a survey on the confirmation page. So right. you reading my mind where I was going on that on the card page, as people were starting, you can only do, I think you can only do surveys for some reason in the way Hotjar does it. There's some sort of thing where if you start moving towards closing the window. Mm. Yeah. It's it like the uh, opt out. So it knows it, it senses so, you're about to leave the window. Yep. Yeah. So on cart, as they were about to go opt out, I wanted to ask, okay, yeah. why are you leaving? And great. That's that what one. I want to know. And, and, so, and it was just, you just said like multi-choice, right? Or did you even write, so write, write a little, I made it radio buttons. I wanted them to pick what the biggest reason was going to be. You could do check boxes or radio buttons, but I want people to pick the one. And it always came down to, I don't qualify for free shipping. Mm, interesting. So wow. if I can go on a bit of a tangent here. Go for it. I'm always- If it's a CRO tangent, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, I, you come in with experience in e-commerce, but there's always something that proves you wrong every day. And you're like, Oh, don't we know? I, know I, I may have been working in this for 10 years, but I know nothing or mm. not me personally, 10 years, but there's always something new to learn. And I had thought during this lockdown in Auckland, free shipping would not be an interesting um, thing to mm. promote. I thought people, I have a lot of empathy for New Zealand Post right now. They're moving a ton of parcels through, but there are delays. Um, so I mean, good, a lot of empathy for New Zealand Post. Thank you so much for everything that you all are doing. Um, I did think though, like, why would I want free shipping if I know it's going to be delayed? I'm just going to go to bricks and mortar. So I put a survey out on my personal social accounts and they didn't get a lot of responses. But what I did see from the people and the responses were from people who work in the e-commerce space, mm. free shipping still holds appeal, even if it's delayed. Yep. And that just at that point, I just threw my hands up and like, I don't know what's going on. Um, free shipping rules. It, it, it's a winner. Always. It does. But when I wanted to order some jeans and I want them sooner than later in case lockdown ends and we're back in the office. I don't know when that's going to be. So I would be willing to pay more for DHL or courier mm -hmm. service if I knew it was going to get it the next day. And I do think there's a small minority of people in there, but for the most part, People still want free shipping. It still works, even in a lockdown when your delivery is going to be delayed. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know well, what? Tina, I have, I have, sorry, well, I have a meme that has like, you know, jeans, $35 and shipping $5 and people are like, eh. And then it's like, yeah. okay, jeans, $40 shipping free. And they're like, yeah, it just works. You know, they see the free shipping. They're like, yeah, I want that. That sales, Sorry, that sales psychology is super interesting. I mean, free shipping in itself, just from a, a psychological trigger, might instigate the buyer journey, right? It might be the first thing they see that, oh, I can actually get free shipping for this and I, you know, et cetera. But the other part that it does, so that will instigate a buyer journey. And you know what? What you just said before is if I do say free shipping, say $75, I go, I fill up my cart. That was the trigger. I filled up my cart. And then I see that you actually offer like next day delivery with DHL. I'll probably just pay for the DHL as well. But the trigger yeah. was that messaging right on early. I'm also working with someone at the moment quite closely with regards to trying to figure out what that free shipping threshold is. And so by using that strategy, you can actually impact on your average order value because you could say, let's give it a little try because if you've got free shipping of $75, you may see that your average order value sits at around 80, right? Mm. You go to mm. free shipping over $100, 90 days later, you look at your average order value sitting at 105. And you're like, hmm, very interesting, right? So that sales psychology as well is, is, is quite interesting. But look, I can listen to you talking about, about um, I, I'm super interested from the brand side of things as well and how you guys differentiate yourself there. Because I think at the end of the day, right, brand is everything. In mm. this space, specifically direct to consumer, you have no, so, well, you've got your, 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 your stuff in retail channels. But, you know, if you haven't been able to build that rapport with customers face-to-face -face through bricks and mortar with retail stores and that environment, et cetera, it's interesting having to build that brand online, especially in such a competitive space. So that, uh, I, I just love that conversation you just had. That's why I just sat back like really quietly. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, but I think if if you were out there, or if we're talking to to the listeners right now, and um, you know they feel a little bit stuck with regards to their brand, or they're also in a very competitive industry and trying to differentiate themselves, do you have anything? Any do you have any advice for somebody out there who's a little bit stuck um, on on what the core things are that they should be focusing on? That's a really good question. I think when faced with something like this, I always want to put myself in the customer's shoes and think, okay, what is my, what is the problem I have and how can, what's, how do I want that solved? So what's like a good example? Let's say I have some sort of, some sort of aesthetic issue that I want addressed. I don't know. Maybe I want okay. my hair to grow out, grow out faster because I don't like the last haircut I had now. I do like the last haircut I had. I had it the day before lockdown. <laughs> just, so I'm like, in case your hairdresser is listening. <laughs> yeah, let's, I don't want to get in trouble with him. When lockdown opens up, I'd like to get a haircut again. Yeah. Um, so let's say I, I want to grow my hair out faster. And I've heard that collagen supplementation may help with that. What What's going to help me do something to make, take an action towards that? Oh, I might, uh, I would want to see what sort of things are out there and does this work? Does this not work? What do, what do other people say about the things that I'm looking at and how can you give that information to the customer to make a good decision? Maybe it might be something of um, taking a look at how you offer social proof. Are you offering it in a really effective way? Is there maybe a better design to provide social proof? What are sort of some of the sentiments that really get to the heart of what the customer wants? Um, that could be something to take a look at. If you're stuck, 
I think the best thing to do is just step away. If you can, of course, it's really hard to step away. There's always something going on, but being able to take a look at something else can trigger different ideas in the brain that you can maybe go back to and try. I read this um, book that compared Tiger Woods with Roger Federer. Mm. Tiger Woods was very much trained in like one thing, golf, that's it. Whereas Roger Federer played a bunch of sports growing up and he can apply different things from all the different sports to tennis. So I like that sort of mindset that if you can pursue some interesting things outside of e-commerce, you might come back with a better idea on how to execute something that could increase your sales or make your customers a little bit happier, things like that. And for me, that's taking a, um, following different um, Instagram accounts and seeing how are they advertising XYZ or how are they communicating this thing. So I follow news brands on Instagram and I always thought that was a really difficult channel for news outlets. How do you share the news on such a visual platform? That's not a data visualization. Um, and I think say like the spinoff does a really good job now of explaining news updates through going back and forth of um, the slideshows. Um, the Economist, I think does a good job with yeah, their data visit, uh, the cut, which is a vertical from New York magazine does a really good job. I think a lot of news outlets have come on to doing some sort of like headline plus lead image sort of thing. So they have innovated in that way. And you can get visual ideas from that to apply to say your social channels or to your themes, things of that nature. Um, yeah, even just go and take a walk and smell the air and come back in just having a refreshed point of view can help do something. Yeah. So what I'm hearing there is basically take a step back, analyze not only your competition, but also go and analyze your customers um, and see what it is that they're talking about, what they're looking for and see how you can find an angle or a message that's going to be appropriate to that. So um, now that's super valuable. I mean, obviously one of the best ways to get in front of people that you've never been in front of before is paid social, right? And we mm -hmm. know all the things that have happened over the last year with regards to paid social, I guess, firstly, How's this impacted you? Um, I don't want to bring up the elephant in the room, but um, you know, what sort of effects from these changes from both Google's point of view, Facebook and iOS changes that have happened, how's that impacted on your on your role? So the iOS 14 and 15 changes are going to impact how we approach our, e our email sense. Um, we haven't quite seen it affect open rates just yet, but I think we also just don't know. It might be too soon. The great thing about Clavio is you can see what people are opening the emails on what device and what app on which device. So we do know at some point the open rates are not going to be as indicative as they once were. I mm -hmm. think it's a little bit of like mixed message. Maybe it's not mixed messaging, but inconsistent messaging going on because we know this is going to happen, but you the documentation is still talking about open rates. So it's like, well, which is it? Uh, I know we we all know that we should be using the proxy of click rate because you can't get you can't have a click rate without opening the email. Yeah. So we're I'm keeping an eye on those stats and giving some some like notes as we do our email sense. Like we just keep track of everything that's going on. So we do know that most of our customer base comes to our website through mobile. 
So we're trying to make sure that mobile experience is as fast as possible, check out as easy as possible, um, that we send it, um, emails on a consistent basis because we find that people are coming back to the website from an old email and they're not deleting them. So that's great news. We have multiple ports in their um, email box to come back. In terms of Google strategy, a lot of our traffic comes from pay-per-click and we've seen really great returns from that. We've had some really great support in the past and we have some really great support now. So we're just going to continue to make sure that the products that are about to come out, what are people looking for around those subjects and making sure that we're really optimizing our ads and our organic content towards that. We have a blog full of different posts for different benefits, different ingredients that we have in our thing. So we do put a lot of effort into our organic content. I think where it gets a little tricky is with Facebook, but we've done some changes in how we approach Facebook. Um, we've changed agencies and we're friendly terms on everyone that we've worked with, but only recently if we really started paying based on conversion and we're starting to see really good returns based on that. I think there's a little bit of a fear about paying on conversion that you're going to pay too much. And I think if you have really good support, being an agency or a freelancer has really good paid media experience, you can run conversion campaigns that don't burn spend. Whereas in the past, we were just paying a lot. We were paying for traffic and relying on our website to do the heavy lifting and converting, which it did. Mm -hmm. But I think we're seeing now with conversion, there's a little bit more confidence in our Facebook spend. And we're just trying to optimize that. We're still in very early days of what we can do with Facebook. But I think my confidence with Facebook is a bit higher than it has been traditionally. Hey everyone, that's the end of part one of this episode with Tina. Um, really look forward to next week's episode where we'll be talking about things like TikTok, Shopify, and a whole lot more. Um, so stay tuned for that one and we'll see you next week. Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk built for e-commerce, where businesses can manage all of their customer communication channels in one platform. Email, phone, SMS, Facebook messages and comments, Instagram comments, live chat, reviews, and more and automate up to 30% of commonly asked questions for increased team productivity and efficiency. Developed with automation and monetization at its core, Gorgeous builds your brand with each customer interaction. Empower your team to drive cross-sell and upsell opportunities across your customer communication channels.